0: good morning everyone it is indeed uh, an honor and a privilege to be here with you this morning I'd like to start by giving a acknowledgement to pastor Sam Davis our president for taking a chance on me this morning our scripture reading today comes from Matthew chapter 28 Matthew chapter 28 verses 18 through to 20 Matthew chapter 28 verses 18 through to 20 and I'll read in your hearing and Jesus came to them and spake unto them saying all authority has been given unto me in heaven and on earth go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations Baptizing them into the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all things, whatsoever I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. The title of today's devotional reflection is, No More Excuses. No More Excuses. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for a new day. And as I tread these waters, may you and you alone be seen. And may I keep my eyes on you. In Jesus' name, amen. Permit me, if you wish, to start this morning's devotional with a short, a short testimony. When I was asked to speak to you this morning, in order to get get over the initial emotions and all the different feelings that were welling up, I sank to my knees and and in prayer, I tried to seek from the Lord a pattern, a shape, some words that I can bring to you this morning. Well, let me tell you what the first impression, what was the first impression I received as I was on my knees. The first impression that came to me was a portion of our baptismal vows. And it's a portion that reads like this. As as I prepare to meet the Lord, I will witness to him, I will witness to his loving salvation by using my talents, in personal soul winning, and to endeavor to help others to be ready for His glorious appearing. I can still recall most, if not all, of the activities and the emotions that I felt on the day of my baptism. Some of you may say exactly the same thing. Though I was baptized about over 18 years ago, the feeling And the sense of what happened on that day is still very real to me. As most of you would recognize, you tend to remember the song you chose or the scripture reading or who was present. But for me, I remember that we had a visiting speaker who still ministers in the UK. I don't remember, I said I could only remember some of it, okay? I don't remember all of the sermon that he preached, but there's one thing that stands out for me. I remember, I recall that he said these words to us as baptismal candidates. There were six of us, my husband included. And he said to us, do not let anyone put out your fire. Do not let anyone put out your fire. And that has stayed with me over the past 18 years. And today, I can rephrase that statement to say, do not let anyone stop you or me from making God known. And though I have sometimes had cause to pray the believers prayer, which we find in Acts chapter 4, verse 29, Lord, grant unto thy servant to speak thy word with boldness. I must confess that about five years ago, I personally attempted to put out that fire. Yes, I attempted to stop myself or to stand in the way of me making God known. And this situation occurred when I realized that I could no longer resist the call to ministry. I tried sharing the call with a number of individuals, expecting them to say to me, no way, just don't go down that path. But instead, each one that I spoke to in turn, family, church members, everyone who I knew and who I happened to had a chance to talk to, they each in turn took whatever necessary action there was to ensure that this consuming fire that was now welling up in me would not go out. They stepped out and pulled out all the stops to ensure that I got to New Ball College to study and move everything out of the way to make it possible. In other words, each one of them removed all my excuses. So what do you do when you have no more excuses? Well, I'm standing here today to show you what you do when you have no more excuses. Our scripture reading today came from Matthew 28, 18 to 19. And there are some bold ones among us this morning, both here in the auditorium and on the other side of the internet if we are connected outside. And they would read this text in this manner. From verse 18, And Jesus came to them and spake unto them, saying, All authority had been given unto me in heaven and in earth and on the earth. Go ye therefore and make... See, many of the brave ones will continue reading and say the words I hear you calling out. But what we would have failed to recognize is that some among us had stopped reading. Some among us, when they got to the point that says, all authority has been given unto me in heaven and and on earth, go, they would have stopped. Why would that have happened? I will share with you now that the reason why they may have stopped reading is because they would interpret this text a little bit different to many of us. Some among us may actually say of Jesus, Lord, Lord, All authority has been given unto you. All authority from heaven and earth has been given unto you, Jesus. So why are you asking me to go? Lord, how is it that everyone around me is so enthusiastic about knocking on doors, about handing out literature, and they do not even realize that I am frozen on the spot and I am rooted into the ground with fear? How is it that so many people can just get up and march out into the town center and different places and and let others know who you are, but I cannot do it? Maybe the people I'm referring to are not in the congregation right now, but there are some like that. You see, it is all right for the pastor and the elders and even the department leaders to go out and make God known, but I cannot do it. They said, I know that when I was baptized, I vowed to you, Lord, that I will be a witness to you. And some among us are saying, and I meant every word, but when it comes to, Actually taking that step and going out to tell someone about Jesus Lord I just cannot do it it's not something I can work with now don't get me wrong I'm not saying that is anything wrong with that feeling we're just facing the fact That not everyone is brave enough to step out there and make God known. Do I have anyone in here like that today? You see, a vast majority of people start with that fire and that fire keep going. But for some, they slow down. Let me talk to those timid ones among us for a moment. Everyone else can listen, but let me just talk to you for a moment. You see, I understand that you have a struggle to share God's words, but I want to say to you that today, this year at camp meeting, all your excuses will be taken away. I am confident that your excuses for not going out there will be taken away. Because I know you might have come in and said, well, okay, fine, I'm all lifted up and I'm all fired up and I'm ready to go. but. Is there a template I can follow? and Is there a list of words and I just have to fill in the blanks? Lord, can someone just give me a statement that I can use because when I open my mouth, nothing comes out? Do I have to be on message all the time? Can I be radical in the way in which I make God known? What I want to say to you this morning, take heart. Take heart because when you leave this week, this weekend camp, um, camp meeting, you will go away much more confident. I believe in the, by the name of Jesus that that would happen. You see, an excuse, don't feel like you're being cornered when you say an excuse, because an excuse can be defined as putting forward a defense or a plea for either doing something or not doing something. And there's usually a reason behind it. And it might sound a little bit blunt, but that is the reality of it. And until those of us who feel brave enough face the reality that you need some help, you will never move. And we'll go off and leave you behind. And that's not what Jesus asked of us. So if you can relate to the above statements I just made, let me right now encourage you to take heart. Because in Second Timothy chapter one and verse seven we read, God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. In Philippians one six we also read, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. Take courage. Stand strong. No matter how timid you feel, be conscious of the fact that God is the one who put that fire in you in the first place and He will keep it going. Just turn your eyes upon Him. See, the Bible tells us of a young man who experienced the same fear that you are experiencing about making God known. And that man had heard, this young man had heard the message of salvation in his home from being very young. His name was John Mark. Having a Jewish and a Roman name, John as in Jewish and Roman, and Mark or Marcus as in Roman, it gives us a sense of the inheritance that John Mark was born into. The affluence and the area in which he lived and the fact that their home was large enough that his mother often opened the doors so that everyone can come in and have worship in their house. It was at John Mark's house that the apostles would meet and share the words. And in Acts chapter 12, verse 12, we read that there was a prayer meeting going on in John Mark's house when Peter was freed in the middle of the night. So John Mark grew up hearing this and seeing this, and he wanted to be part of it. So when Paul and Barnabas and Barnabas decided that they were going to go on their first mission, John Mark said, I'm coming too. I'm sure he was real in his decision. But when the going got tough, John Mark returned home. Hmm. He was viewed by Paul as a quitter. Didn't want anything to do with him. But later on, we see John Mark stepping out of his comfort zone, putting aside all the excuses, and under the mentorship of Barnabas, his cousin, he went back out onto the road. So don't give up. Later on, we see, we hear Paul writing to the church in Colossae, or the letter to the Colossians, saying that Mark is with me and he is my comforter. So if John Mark can get over his fear, so can you. Praise be to God. You too can make God known, no matter how you feel. See, because Jesus said, if we had not paused at the goal and had carried on reading that text, we would have seen that Jesus said, All authority has been given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and make disciples. So you too are part of the people who should be made into disciples, so you can take the message to God uh, to the people of God. I pray that when you leave this camp meeting, you will have the courage to go up to someone in your church or someone you know really well, and with the help of your pastor, connect up with an individual. Let them be your Barnabas. Let them be your mentor. Work with them, and you too, in time, will be able to link hands with them and go out and make God known. because we all took that vow that we will use our talent in personal soul witnessing, soul-winning endeavor to help others to be ready for the glorious appearing of the Lord and Savior. You know, this is why I like small groups. I love small groups. In the two churches where I minister at the moment, we have an established outreach program. We're blessed by that, and a wonderful group of people working with them. We have on-site a community program that has been adopted by our church board for insurance purposes, but it's a community group that comes in and operates within our church, and we have four small groups. It did not take much for us to, when it's mentioned to the others or to the members, how about small groups? They rush to it because people are comfortable in small groups. I personally lead the small group that is the furthest away from our church area, And when I meet with this group, I share with the folks, listen, as we search the word, as we learn with each other, I need you to make some notes. And the notes that you you record should be written in such a format that later on, you too can go out and have the same study with someone else. That's what should be done for us if we are timid. But what about the rest of that text what about the rest of our scripture reading if you are one of the people who are, who's a bit nervous about the go, then you're not ready to make disciples you need someone to make you a disciple If you're one of those people who are timid, then you're not the one who's going to arrange to get someone baptized, and you're not the one who's going to teach. But the rest of that text, the back end of that text, it says, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. That includes every one of us, brave or timid. No one is exempt. So what we're seeing here is that even if we cannot hold on to the front end, we can grab hold of the back end of that great commission and ride with the wave that Jesus is coming again soon. Because as long as there is a need for men and women to hear the message of salvation, Jesus is walking alongside us. Each one of us have companionship. This is the same Jesus who have all authority of heaven and earth. And he is our personal companion. Where is our excuse? As long as there is a physical need for waiting for the return of Jesus, his Holy Spirit will be beside us and we will be guided in our walk and we will not have to fear. We can do what is said on our board. We can make God known whether we're timid or not. As long as there are men and women in need of care and support and someone to just hold their hands, any one of us can step out of our comfort zone and say, here's some water. What can I do for you? How can I just keep you company in this stage? And that is making God known. The prompting and the nudging from the Holy Spirit tells us that we are not to sit still. And I share with you today that the Great Commission, as we have been reading, is a statement of missionary work. It is also a statement of pastoral work, and it's a statement of encouragement. The missionary element of the Great Commission says, go and conquer the world for me. It says, carry the glad tidings into all the lands, and let everyone who would hear and Everyone who are interested, until they are deemed to be part of my discipleship, keep going, don't stop. That's the missionary part of the great, con- the great Commission. It says, go with them, help them, and claim them for me. But Jesus also gave us a pastoral statement in the Great Commission, and it says, that we are to teach and baptize, and that is the pastoral element of that Great Commission. It means that when we walk alongside and we claim someone for Jesus, we don't just leave them there. We spend time with them. We teach them the Word. We encourage them and buffer them up. We get them baptized and we continue to work with them until they feel strong enough that they will do the same for someone else. But I also share with you that that statement is also a statement of encouragement. Because as we've mentioned that he who has all the authority of heaven and earth is our own personal companionship. And is it only while we're out there working? No. He said, I will be with you. Always, even to the end of the age. So as long as the heavens have not yet opened, Jesus is walking beside us so we can bring men and women to Christ. Amen. Let us go out there, put away our excuses, and make God known. There's a point I want to bring to you as well regarding how we go about making God known. And that is the purpose of camp meeting. Let me see the hands of those of you who were here last year. Wow. There are some of you here who never miss camp meeting. But why do we come to camp meeting? Why is it that our conference go to so much length and so much expense to put on a camp meeting for us? Why do we do everything that we can personally do To ensure that we get here, you know what it's like. We would make all the necessary arrangements, and we'll sort the children out, and we'll sort the family out, and we'll sort out all the commitments at work, and even the pets, and everything is sorted because we have to be at camp meeting. Why? We made the long journey, came from every part of the South England, and some came from even abroad, and they've come here. Why? And finally, we arrive at camp meeting, and we can't make it to our chalet because we're meeting all our friends. It's like heaven and earth. I don't know about you, but the first time I came to camp meeting, I thought I had reached heaven. (laughs) I really did, because there were people here that I've met in other places that I didn't know you were going to be here. And it's that excitement. And, you know, once you're settled in, we have the fellowship. We have the singing, which is wonderful. The messages that are strong. The workshops that just keeps us buoyed up. The mass communion service of tomorrow night. Isn't that wonderful? And the smiles on everyone's face and no tent. I don't know about you. For years, I thought camp meeting was to do with being in a tent. And I didn't come because of that. And then I came and I saw, there's no tent. I thought, well, I'm coming back. (laughs) I thought that I must have been in heaven when I first came to camp meeting. And like you, I haven't stopped coming. My friends, as much as all of these are blessings of camp meeting, may I share with you that it's not the only purpose of camp meeting. This excitement that we experience, this mountaintop feeling that we go through, It is not meant to end when we drive out of the gateway. The pen of inspiration has listed a number of clear reasoning as to the purpose of camp meeting. It's been going on for quite a long time. But what is also mentioned in Testimonies to the Church Volume 6 is that by engaging in work at the camp meeting, all may be able to learn how to work successfully, wait for this, back at their home churches. We have come here to fellowship, to connect, to be with each other so we can learn how to do exactly that back at our home churches. Camp meeting does not end on Sunday morning. It continues until we come back the following year. It is aimed to give us practical elements of Christian service. Camp Meeting is also mentioned in that same manuscript aimed at the household of faith. It says that God has committed our hands to a most sacred work. And we need to meet together like this to receive the instructions that we may be fitted to perform that work back at our home churches. So this week, while we have so far been equipped with messages of prayer for our churches early morning and prayer for our marriages, we've been able to share how to pray for our children. We've had instructions on good health. No excuse now. We have had more information about how to connect and be part of our global mission. More excuses have been taken away. And there's still more to come. It's not finished as yet. I share with you again, when you leave camp meeting this week, you will have no more excuses. No more excuses. You'll be brave enough to step out there and make God known. So what are you going to do what am i going to do now that our excuses have been taken away we now acknowledge that among us there are brothers and sisters who are a little bit fearful for whatever reason they're a little bit timid to step out the door to knock on the door to say to someone jesus is lord But we also recognize that those of us who have a little bit more boldness in us have that duty to come alongside those individuals and carry them arm in arm as we teach them how to make God known. We've also learned that the Great Commission is not just a few words that sits at the end of Matthew chapter 28, but they are in fact a statement of missionary work. The Great Commission is a statement of pastoral work and it's a statement of encouragement to encourage us to let us know that we are never alone in God's work. We've also established that one of the many objects of camp meeting is to fit us for work when we get back to our local churches. So what will be different for us at camp meeting 2014? What will that look like when we get back? You know, we often ask questions of God. Say, God, I'm in this difficult situation and uh, what can you do to help me move forward? We say, Lord, this incident shouldn't have taken place. I know it might have been my fault, but what can you do to help me fix it? And others ask questions such as, where is God when all of these things are happening to me? We ask questions of God and to God but what will happen when the table is turned and God asks questions of us? What will our answer be? My friends, when God asks us, brother, sister, you were at camp meet in 2013. What have you done in that past year? We're now camp meet in 2014. How have you made me known over the years? What will our answer be? Now that we know that most of our excuses are already taken away and even more will be taken away as the week continues and the Lord comes up to us and asks us the question, My child, how have you reached others on my behalf? What will our answer be? And what if God happened to turn up at our churches at 9.30 on a Sabbath morning? Lord, help us. How many of us will be there to answer these questions from him? He's always there, you know, but I'm using my baptized imagination to say that he now opens our eyes and we can physically see him sitting there. What will our answer be? What if he turns up at 7.30 on a Wednesday night and he asks the same question of us? what will our answer be? When our excuses are taken away, it means that we have to get up and take some action. I will take a few minutes just to share with you that I know there are times when we cannot, we feel that we just cannot make God known. I had a situation like that last year at camp meeting time. I tried to get to camp meeting every year, but last year I couldn't. Had to make a trip to the Caribbean. The year before, I made a trip to New York. My brother had passed, and I went away to New York excited to make God known. Because even though I'm the youngest in my family, in my mother's household, I am the minister. So you can imagine all the family members are saying, Maureen's coming, she's a pastor, she will lead the funeral service. So I went over to New York with the rest of the family and we gathered together and his friends came in. My brother was not in church. His friends came along and everyone had a number of different sort of ideas about what it means when someone dies. And I said, Lord, give me the courage to make you known in this collection of friends and family. And I give thanks to the Lord that he did indeed give me the courage to not just arrange my brother's funeral, but to preach at my brother's funeral. And to be able to share with those around us that my brother is not in heaven, but he's sleeping in the earth. And when Jesus comes, he will call him. And no matter how we know he lived his life, we do not know what happened at the point of his death. So it's not up to us to decide whether he's going to be saved or not. I was able to make God known to my friends and my family and say, Jesus is in control. And I gave thanks for that. We returned home, and it wasn't long before a call came that our stepmom had passed, so we had to make a journey to the Caribbean. And there, once more, praise God, they're from a different faith, and I was able, by the grace of God, to stand at the point of giving tributes and make God known to a group of people who believe that Jesus will come secretly. And it was a thankful experience to be able to stand as a minister of the Seventh Day Adventist Church and share with the folks that our mom is sleeping in the grave. And when the day comes, when the trumpets sound, she will indeed arise, because Jesus knows her beginning and her end. And last year, camp meeting, another call came. This time, our father had passed almost one year to the date that he lost his wife. And once more, I buoyed myself up as the minister of the family and packed our bags and we got out to the Caribbean and we were sorting everything out and got all the programs all worked out and the day came and we woke up the morning of the the funeral and I thought, yes, Lord, again, I am going to make you known because it's a faith that do not believe that you sleep in the grave. And I say to you, my friends, at five o'clock that morning, when I opened my eyes, my face started to leak. And my face kept leaking until three o'clock that afternoon. Every time I opened my mouth to say something, the tears just poured. Now, I was informed that when my father passed, he called on the name of Jesus. And I took comfort from that. Because before he made his last journey home, I sat with him, and I prayed with him, and I shared the the seventh-day Sabbath with him. And my father embraced the seventh-day Sabbath. And I felt confident that my father's going to do something for the Lord. So when I got the call to say, come, he's passed, but this is how he passed, I felt confident that I can stand there and make God known. But my father and myself were like that. And my heart broke when I lost him. And I sat in that church hall while everyone were walking around and doing all their respects and and could not open my mouth. In a broken-hearted situation, it's difficult to make God known. And that is why, my friends, We have to grab every opportunity we get to make him known. Don't wait until we feel strong enough. Even if you were a little bit timid, go take someone's hand, talk to them and say, how are you doing today? You would have made God known. Because for all you know that you were the only person who spoke to that individual on that day. So let us not let our fear get in the way of saying, Lord, Lord, Let me do something for you today." I want to encourage you that even if you're shaken, even if you're the boldest person in this room, remember your purpose, and our purpose is fair and true, to make God known to those around us. We are not there to make excuses, but we are there to hold each other's hands. And carry each other through. Because it can be difficult at times. But Jesus said here, all authority and all power in heaven and earth has been given unto me. And I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. So with that in mind, with our excuses taken away from us. With our recognition that we have an almighty power force behind us. Let me ask you a question. What is stopping you from making God known? What is the excuse? What is stopping me from making God known? I pray that when we do come back from come back to camp meet in 2014 we'll come with stories. Stories that we have indeed done something to let someone know that Jesus is Lord. If you want to return to camp meet in 2014 with such a story, please stand with me. Praise be to God. Let us pray. Father, you have done so much for us. You ask us to proclaim your name to all we meet. But we stand here honestly saying, Lord, we are afraid. We don't know who's behind that door. For for those who are listening and those who are here, I ask, oh God, that you will give them the power and the boldness to make you known in this coming year. And for those who have the strength to step out, I ask that we will keep our eyes focused on you. So it's only you others will see when we say there is a God who cares. Bless us to this end, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God be with you.